Hey, welcome once again to another Trigger Proof Transmission. I had the urge, and when I get that urge, I feel like sharing. Today's transmission began a few days ago with a really great question from one of our um, members of the community, uh, the Trigger Proof community. Um, her name is Emma. And I just wanted to say that I really appreciate people who ask questions genuinely. I mean, I can't tell you how many DMs and emails I get from people who, um, I don't know what it is. There's something strange. That, uh, you know, we get into these really difficult situations when we reach out for help and there isn't a, 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 a something in our brain is so dysregulated, we don't know how to come out with like a, a real specific question that helps you come up with a, an outcome. And so 90% of my job is helping a person decipher really what the question actually is that they're wanting. And so I, I encourage anybody who has a question to go ahead and post. Um, and the invitation is for you before you ask the question, to ask this specific question to yourself before asking the question. Because when we're doing trauma healing work and we're stuck in our minds and we feel this sense of confusion and a sense of alarm, a big part of helping ourselves move forward is to pause, to regulate ourselves and ask, okay, so what outcome do I really wanna have? What do I wanna accomplish? And once I have that picture in my mind, now I can ask the appropriate question. And so it's rare that I get a question which, you know, is there's something I can, gives me something that I can chew on. So I really want to reward your question, Emma, by, get, by doing an entire episode on this specific topic because I'm sure you're not the only one to experience this. And if you've never met me before, my name is Dr. Nima Romani. I'm a retired chiropractor. And what I do now is I lead people into helping break free from their trauma bonds that keep them stuck in relational dynamics that are insecure, anxious attachment, avoidant, these bonds that we have to our traumas, these identities that we form in our early attachments prevent us from having the relationships that we truly desire and that we truly deserve because we then opt in for shitty situations that that feel so unfulfilling and feel less than nourishing and feel um, frustrating. And unconsciously what we're doing is we're repeating these unconscious childhood dynamics through these relational patterns. And by reliving these patterns, it's kind of our unconscious desire to get, have a sense of completion with them. We want completion. We want healing. So we keep reliving them in an attempt to complete, but we don't receive the training and the wisdom and how to have a create completion. So anything that's incomplete, anytime we have a lesson that isn't really fully learned, it gets repeated. And this was my case. This was definitely not part of my chiropractic training. I didn't go to chiropractic school. 
to learn about trauma bonds, I went to help people heal. And in my journey in healing, I started noticing in, in helping others heal a 20 year practice, you start to notice patterns in people's health and their patterns that I saw that was very alarming to me was how people with chronic health issues were very much tied to codependent patterns. I was like, how the fuck? I was really wondering why is it that anybody who came in and said, I have chronic pain, I have autoimmune, I have uh, fibromyalgia, uh, I have Lyme disease, uh, I have chronic whatever, anxiety. Why is it that I can almost predict what kind of personality types that they would have, um, their people pleasers, very low sense of self-worth, very high, like very unable to say no or to assert kind of like a personal boundary, very porous type of boundaries. And I, it's weird, you know, I'm one of those guys who don't like to fail my perfectionism and be like all these patients doing really well, but this subcategory of patient soon as they would come in and I would talk to them in their first session, I'd be like, there's no way that I'm going to help this person. And if you talk to any doctor who's been in their profession for more than 10, 15 years, they will tell you how frustrating it is to work with chronic illness people because there's something energetic about them. There's something um, far deeper than that, than the skin and the bones and what shows up on a test that uh, is is kind of the culprit. And medical practitioners, they all know this. They're very frustrated themselves. So they call it, you know, they say it's in your head. And what I've discovered, to make a long story short, was that uh, it was an upstream issue that was co contributing to, the, to a person's less than stellar well-being. And that upstream issue stems from an attachment wound attachment trauma, attachment to our primary caregivers, which has us kind of like a small T trauma. There's, there's abuse, there's physical abuse, there's physical trauma. But what I'm talking about is the small T traumas, the really insidious ones, the ones that aren't really felt, you know, little things like, you know, always, uh, being compared to an older sibling or being the scapegoated in the family or constantly being told or invalidated of your experience or being told you should be more like your brother or we wish, you know, we, we, we wanted boys and unfortunately we got a girl and we, we always wanted a boy and these or, or experiencing a divorce or having a parent who with a mental illness that you as a child felt like you had to kind of take care emotion of the emotional needs of your parent. These are smaller, very, um, they're not given as much weight and space, uh, poorly understood, uh, contributors to illness. This is where complex post-traumatic stress disorder originates. It's, it's the death by a million paper cuts. It's the consistent kind of gnawing at a child's psyche that has them feeling that they have to work to be lovable, that they have to, um, that who they are in and of themselves, we can't rest in being lovable. We, we have to work for it. 
And so we have to please and we have to abandon ourselves and we have to put on these masks and take on certain identities and roles so that we can get validation and these pats on the back and, hey, Nima's a good boy. She's being a good girl. Good girls don't, don't yell. Good girls don't get angry. And so it's this, what I'm talking about as far as trauma is very small T trauma. It's the the experience of childhood that's very unknown it's not because you don't realize it because it's normalized to you the chronic abandoning of the self uh, why this is important in emma's question i gotta kind of go back and give you a background it's really important to, for you to understand this is where our nervous system first becomes informed of what we really think that we deserve, who we really think we are, this sense of identity. And so I want you to, first of all, if you're, you know, new to my work, it's to really first to understand that I want you to consider the possibility that you've been given an identity, like without your awareness by very well-meaning parents that's just that they've been given an identity with the cultural decencies and the expectations, uh, religious, cultural, you know, caste system. You're already informed of what's good and what's bad. And if you conform to what's here, then you're good. If you don't, then love is withdrawn from you. So deep down, your sense of self and your sense of identity of who you think you are is informed by parents who are at the effect of their own traumas. And the first thing to understand in this conversation of compatibility versus incompleteness is consider the possibility that we don't really know who we are when we get into relationships. We are given an identity, given of what should be and shouldn't be. And also we're based on these, these cultural expectations of, of where we were raised. Also the traumas that we are gone, we've gone through cause us to believe certain things about ourselves and create these, um, self states of, uh, of an identity of what we feel we deserve. Right? So this is important. So this is kind of like the background to answering this question. So now that we have this going on, think of your traumas. Think of uh, the wounds that you were raised in, the stories that we make up about ourselves based on these wounds. You know, if a, if a parent, par you know, mother and father decide to get divorced, the, you know, 10-year-old child doesn't think, Ah, uh, you know what? That's their issue. The child then believes, oh, it's because of me. I'm the burden. I'm the bad one. Or or these were the messages that they received from parents that were just overwhelmed, very poorly equipped to regulate their nervous systems, and then downloaded all of their anxieties, all of their angst, all of their unworthiness onto the child. This is what you believe. This is who we are. This is what we earn. This is what we deserve. The people who have wealth are those people. It's not us. So our identity is hardwired into us. Who we think we are, what we think we deserve is deeply embedded to the point where 
we then, in order to feel like we're lovable, we then take on certain roles and adopt certain characters and put on masks. And we then find partners that help us complete what we feel is incomplete. You know, this is where this whole soulmate conversation, oh, we're soulmates. Oh my God, it's love at first sight. And we have these Disney fairy tales that promote the idea of this love at first sight. We get love that's romanticized, that's fantasy-based. Plus, all of these pains of our childhood selves cause us to create these little snapshots, these little fantasies of when I, this sucks, where I'm at sucks, this disconnection from family system, it sucks. So I'm going to create a little fantasy snapshot of an ideal scenario, fantasy land. You know, my ex had that experience. She was raised in a relation, in a family system where there was divorce. She was an absentee father, a mother that was mentally ill. So in her mind, she created this fantasy snapshot of a power couple dynamic. And what happens is we then meet people and start to put them and expect them to fill that role of that snapshot. Oh, this person's love at first sight, they're going, and we put them, it's not them that we fall in love with. It's the fantasy that they're going to fulfill the snapshot that we have in our minds. And then we start to look at them and observe them through the eyes of these snapshots. Three months down the road, six months down the road, when they don't really measure up to this snapshot, the first phase of the trauma bond called love bombing, where they co-idealize one another, where we co-idealize one another, all of a sudden turns to devaluing. Going, what the fuck? This isn't, you weren't what I expected. And you, because you don't fit into my little fantasy snapshot, I then start to cut you down, devalue you, and put you down devalue you and then discard i'm out of here so it's kind of like approach avoidance these are the foundations of a trauma bond i'm giving you the foundation this is what i specialize in now because this was my last relationship and after it led to a toxic meltdown uh, on march 11th 2018 when things got physical i actually slapped her with an open hand i've never gotten physical before this was my wake-up call it was like the police had to be involved for me to go what the fuck how did i end up here how do i make sure that this never happens again and if i can figure out how to get out of this situation because i am stuck here I, f I can't feel i feel like i can't leave i am too scared to leave who would i be without this person Right? I, wa I wanted to figure that out. And once I figure that out, number three, how do I help other people with it? So right now I'm fulfilling my obligation, number three, how to help you with it. If you're in my sphere, my universe on social media, there's a reason, you know, whether it's energy, algorithm, whatever, you're in this conversation for a reason. So please, please pay attention. Let me know if any of this is landing for you because I'm giving you the background so that I can answer this specific question. I have, without understanding, everybody asks questions and they want an answer. Give me the answer. Give me the advice. 
And nobody really t has taken the time to explain to you how the fuck you got involved in that situation in the first place. Because if you understand the history, you can dismantle it, have a completion with the past, and then create a future where it's not based on bullshit fantasy, Disneyland fucking fairy tale bullshit. It's actually based on reality. We are a society that is obsessed with fantasy, the fantasy sells, love at first sight, get the ring, somebody who's gonna fucking, you know, rescue me from my own insecurity. Bullshit. Nobody is gonna rescue you from your insecurity. You'll probably go through that love bombing phase where you fall in love with that other person. And truth, truth be told, in that love bombing phase, it's not them you fell in love with you fall in love with the idealized version of yourself because you're so fucking insecure that when somebody love bombs the shit out of you and tells you how amazing, you're amazing, there's nobody like you, you're intelligent and I've never met anyone like you, you're so fucking devoid of any type of love for yourself that you buy that shit fall for it hook line and sinker and and during the limerence phase where the dopamine and um, oxytocin is firing on full cylinders you're like finally this snapshot has been fulfilled what happens six months to a one year later <coughs> excuse me reality sets in and this motherfucker is nowhere near like the snapshot and now you're spending the entire time trying to seek that same high that you're addicted to because of the unresolved wounds from childhood that you're trying to fulfill with this other person because you haven't taken the time to learn how to give it to you. Now, I'm not saying this to throw you under the bus. I'm saying this, if you've never met me before, you either hate my direct approach, that's fine, you just click one, one bite, one button, unsubscribe. You don't have to hear from me again. Or you're the other type where you're like, thank God, you're, there's a voice of reason. I'm here, I'm the David Goggins of breaking trauma bonds. <laughs> I'm here to give it to you straight. <laughs> I'm saying it out of love and if it doesn't land, I understand, please go elsewhere where they're just gonna blow sunshine up your ass. I'm here to tell you the truth. That's what it took for me to wake up. I was living in a fantasy land trying to seek my fantasy was I'm going to find somebody who's going to help me, you know, become super duper uh, famous in my personal development journey because I wanted to be like my mentor, Dr. John Martini. And here I met this one person. I was her, the, her fantasy was we we're going to be a power couple. She was going to leave her sex working business and I was going to help her financially because everything she was doing was struggling. Her cafe was going to hell in a pan basket. Her health was turning to shit. She didn't know who she was. And now she can grasp onto an identity that would legitimize her and I could rescue her from that. And she could rescue me from my insecurity because I wanted to leave chiropractic. I was sick and tired of dealing with chronic pain and chronic illness when I wanted to go upstream and become really recognized for getting to the root cause. And here we were, a classic opportunity, the foundation of a true trauma bond, a co-rescuing operation. She's rescuing me from my insecurity and my, my lack of confidence. I'm rescuing her from this kind of dark underworld where she was, you know, 
living as a madam, uh, unhealthy, you know, just barely scraping by. And this is where the foundation of the trauma bond begins. So if you want to break the trauma bond, you got to go back to the history and understand the mechanism that got you there. And this is the result of some deep work, tens of thousands in uh, receiving guidance from high level mentors who could. <clears throat> You've been listening to the trigger proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation, becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. <coughs> who weren't there to just blow sunshine at my ass, my ass and validate my victim story because that's not what's going to help you heal. What's going to help you heal is somebody who lovingly, compassionately, without judgment, holds a fucking reflection, a mirror to your face and says, take a look, take responsibility, not blame because none of this is anybody's fault. We're talking generations. You know, we're talking you know, generations, <laughs> you know? So <clears throat> what does this take? We're talking 400 years, a thousand or so um, uh, ancestors, 12 generations, 400 years, thousands of ancestors. All of that insecurity is living in your body. And that is what is pairing up with somebody. So I wanted to answer that question of how do you tell the difference between having a trauma bond and truly being compatible? Well, first you have to understand the mechanism of the trauma bond and why it's so difficult to break because it's unconscious, it's in your body, and no rational thought can overcome it. You're going to constantly try to, like any addiction, like an addict rationalizes their addiction. Oh, just, I deserve it. Just one more. What I notice and we see in our students in our cycle breakers program, when they keep going back to their trauma bonds and they're looking to break them, they make excuses, right? Because they don't want to face the feeling, the discomfort of breaking that old identity. Who will I be without that story? Without this constant need to prove myself. The whole idea of trauma bonds comes from a deep core lacking in love of self, a lacking of deserving. So for us to then move on from this trauma bond, 
we'd have to confront our undeservingness, our aloneness, our insignificance. And we don't want to do that. So we take a few steps out and all of a sudden we want our mother again because the trauma bond is a replacement for the bad mother that wasn't a good enough mother. (coughs) Sorry, my throat's dry here. Let me just... (coughs) So it's like... James Hollis, the Jungian psychologist, said life is a series of attachment and losses, beginning with the primary wound, primary detachment, i.e. when we're born, when we leave mother's uterus, that primary wound from which we never fully recover. A trauma bond is an unconscious replacement for the mother wound that we're still kind of the womb means matrix. We're trying desperately to go back and find that unconditional love. And the love bombing phase is that experience that we're addicted to. And then that's why when we go to the devaluing and then the discarding, we're then seeking that same love bombing. That's where the highly addictive chemicals happen. That's why we keep going through the cycles cycles of abuse. I was going through that for four years. It was highly addictive. And the truth of the matter is most people don't get out of it until there's something massive. And there's people who've died through because of these trauma bonds. You know, for me, I had to, the police had to be involved to wake me up and go, all right, whatever distance I have to travel, whatever price I have to pay, I can't keep living under the effects of these trauma bonds. The most important thing to me is to have a secure partnership and a relationship. And so I went through the phases. I went through and developed the five pillars of breaking the cycle. And I talk about it at length in my uh, Should I Stay or Go um, masterclass, the five pillars. If we don't learn those five pillars, we are forever at the effect of the external world and we don't experience sovereignty. But when we do master it and we invest in ourselves as we would for our children to master that, find the right guide that's going to help hold a reflection and go with love, give you a kick in the ass, not just validate your own victim story that you're not going to heal by just having your side of the story validated. Oh, they're the narcissist. They're the evil one. You're the innocent one. Two, three, four, five years later, you're still fucking having your victim story validated. And where have you gotten? You've gotten nowhere. You know, it's good for the therapist. But this is, there's there's a point where you, enough, enough. I'm ready to heal this. So, I just wanted to give you the background of the whole trauma bond conversation. This is my specialty now in our cycle breakers program is, is helping people actually dismantle it from the body, not just talk therapy. In fact, most of the talk is, is a good way of avoiding the, the real work. That's what we do as we go beneath the surface. So the question here is how do you tell the difference between having a trauma bond and truly being compatible? I'm worried that I romanticize my past relationship a bit. We were together a long time, share a child, and I'm frequently, and what feels like subconsciously, making comparisons in my new relationship, and I'm recognizing that it's not fair. That's nice of you. Um, uh, I just feel that I can't help these thoughts sometimes. Great question. So 
from that question, Emma, what I discovered is that there is, we, we need to distinct, we need to have to, dis, uh, to create a little bit of a distinction here and what, what compatibility actually is, right? You think that, oh, because we're a trauma bond, oh, and it's like we are totally into one another and the sex is amazing, that that means that we're compatible. Nothing can be further than the from, from the truth. Compatibility is something about a relationship, a consideration within a relationship of values, preferences, uh, ways of being, um, lifestyle choices that incompatibility is when these values, beliefs, lifestyle choices, ways of being create a disharmony that are, that are so, uh, incompatible that they would create a disharmony. So let me give you an example of that incompatibility, compatibility, incompatibility. One of the considerations would be, for example, religion, right? You have someone who's a Catholic and someone who's a Jew. And, and if they're both staunch followers within their religion, um, within their religion, and it is super duper important that the other person is follow a follower. Well, it doesn't matter how attracted you are, how hot the sex is. <laughs> there's a, there's an incompatibility. And then once you have the kids, now what? This person says this, this person says that it's not compatible, right? So there are firm values and boundaries and beliefs that create disharmony within the relationship. There's an incompatibility there. And uh, also happens within similar religions. You know, I have a, I have a, um, a client who I'm working with who's Jewish and his sect of Judaism is different than his wife's and they're completely incompatible. They've been together decades, over 30 years, and they will never get divorced. This is just, it's just, they won't get divorced. Every freaking year during the holidays, there's like a war between them because of this fundamental incompatibility. There's love there, but there's a fundamental incompatibility that causes disharmony. And it's just, it's so strenuous between them, but this is what they've chosen. And they, they work through it. it. There's an incompatibility there, but they, based on their values of staying together, they bring that incompatibility and they tolerate that, right? But let's say you're a Mormon and uh, you're with somebody who's an atheist. What happens when you have kids? This difference of opinion, and you, this person's Mormon and they're deep into their Latter-day Saints, there's an incompatibility there. So it's, it doesn't matter how great the sex is and how much they like each other. And even if there's love there, that incompatibility would create disharmony. So you got to choose, right? Based on that incompatibility. Compatibility means like, for example, um, or, or an, another example, we just had COVID vaccination status. I know several couples who all of a sudden had a, polarizing opposed view on getting the vaccine. Incompatibility, have relationships broken down as a result? 
absolutely one friend that I knew, she was vehemently against it. He was totally for it. He got it. She all of a sudden had some shifts to her, uh, you know, they call it shedding, vaccine shedding. She had some changes to her period, which happens. It's kind of, they've been noticing the, the one of the effects has been um, menstrual cycle starts to get a little wonky after. She didn't even get it. She, he, he, he got it. Her period, it, her health is a very high value for her. Her period got a little bit wonky and that's what, that was, she's like, I'm out of here. We're incompatible, right? Doesn't matter how much love there is between us. We are incompatible, right? So Emma, your question about, are we like incompatible? Are, are we compatible? Are we incompatible? Just because you still have fantasies about your ex doesn't make your current relationship incompatible. In fact, it's quite normal to think of past lovers, of aspects of those relationships that you miss doesn't make you a bad person. It's actually quite normal. The, the real question is how you deal with those thoughts. It sounds to me from your question that you're really judging the shit out of yourself and you're making yourself wrong for, for still being stuck in the past to which my answer to you has now shifted is, is I don't find, I, I, from what, I don't know your history. I don't know. You're just, from what you're sharing, you're just, you know, you're having some thoughts and you're missing your ex that you were highly trauma bonded with, which means you're probably missing the sex. You probably had some extreme highs, you know, by the way, you probably had a really passionate relationship. And if you look back on your most passionate relationships, they're the ones that suffered the most because the actual definition of passion is to suffer. So the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ. Passion means to suffer. And we have these fantasies of passionate relationships. We have these fantasies of soulmates, right? He was my soulmate. Well, the soulmate becomes the cellmate. These whole fantasies of soulmates and the, oh, my other half and all this shit is all based on Disney and it's not based on reality. It creates a great deal of suffering because we can't be present in this, in this current relationship, which is probably great, but because you don't have that same fucking like love bombing and devaluing and discarding that exhausting, passionate bipolar state, you're now comparing yourself, your current reality to a past and then you're beating yourself up and you're like, that's not fair to him. What I'm going to offer you is, is that it's not that you're incompatible with your current relationship. You're incomplete with your past one. Let me say that again. It's not that you're incompatible with your current relationship. It's that you're incomplete with your past one. Now, if you don't have a sense of completion, I'm going to give you three signs, three signs that you're incomplete with a past relationship. I'm going to give you three of them. You might want to write them down. If you, if you are incomplete with a past relationship, you will not have an ability to be present in your current one. You'll constantly be pulled in the past. You'll constantly be beating yourself up, constantly be in your head. And there's no creation of the future. There's no security there. Right? So I'm going to give you three signs. I'm going to write them down on my little 
trusty little iPad here. See how see how this lands for you. Let me know if any of these resonate. Please write in the comments section. I read all of the comments. Um, how is this landing for you? Is this is this resonating? So the first sign that you're incomplete in a past relationship is you're still resentful. You're holding on to resentment because you feel that you didn't receive in fair exchange of what you gave. You feel out of fair exchange. You feel that you gave more than you received. And because of that, there's a resentment there. And that resentment is energy. You are energy. When you're looking in the mirror, you see one person. First of all, you're not. You're empty space. You're a bunch of freaking molecules that are vibrating and are tied together energetically. There's a frequency there. That's energy. And the feelings that we have, the traumas, the unresolved wounds are embedded within your energy. You walk around and that's kind of like a dark cloud hanging over you. That's what that is. Resentment is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. And so if you're holding on to resentment because you're incomplete, that's going to spill into your relationship and you're going to be in your head the whole time and you're going to be sitting there and you're just, uh, you're angry and you feel under, under, um, out of fair exchange. You're bringing that resentment in and then you'll displace that resentment towards yourself or towards your partner or towards your child. It just... And then it impacts your health if it's unresolved, right? I'm gonna, if you're interested in actually doing something about it, I'm gonna tell you exactly what, what, what to do afterwards. It's important to learn how, not just to kind of bullshit forgiveness. Oh, I'm gonna write a letter. I just do a forgiveness. I went to this retreat. I wrote this letter and I forgive you. And then we burned it and it's over. I forgive him, oh my God. No, that's bullshit complete bullshit. Resentment is held in the body. And if we don't learn how to move that energy through the body by emotions, by sound, by movement through the body, it stays with us. And then we get up in our heads and we're constantly in our, in circles going, is this the right person? Is this the right person? You're literally, it's like walking around with rocks in your backpack. That's one sign that you're incomplete. Okay, the second sign I'm going to invite you to look at, number two, is guilt and shame. If you feel that you received more than you gave, so the first one is if you felt like you gave more than you received, you're out of fair exchange. They owe me. That motherfucker owes me. You have resentment that's spilling into your current reality. Believe me, I know that feeling. <laughs> if you have guilt and shame, you feel like you took but didn't give in fair exchange, that you received and you owe them, that guilt lives in your body and it spills into your current reality. You will likely then be a pleaser and then you'll likely be taken advantage of. I've seen this happen. 
in our, you'll be like, oh, I'm making up for my old, I'm making up for the sins of my past. And I'm just going to, those are the people that are easily taken advantage of. Okay. And you will then create like, it's like this, it's this, it's kind of like this energetic debt that you owe to the universe because you feel like what you did to that other person, you took more than you gave. So you're going to kind of try to pay off that debt and somebody you're going to attract somebody who's going to take full advantage of you. Let me know if any of this is resonating with you. It's this landing. So this, this is what I'm sharing with you is how an incomplete past spills into your present, right? The resentment part, you're going to feel entitled and you're going to take advantage of others, <laughs> which kind of feels like a little bit of what you're, um, what you were sharing, Emma. So, resentment, you have resentment towards your past, you feel entitled, you're going to try to take from others, you're going to exhaust others, and you'll push them away eventually. Number two is you have guilt and shame, you want to, you feel like you have a debt, you want to give, give, and then you're going to attract somebody who's going to take advantage of you. And number three, sign that you're incomplete is comparison. If you're and it's normal. I mean, it's normal. We like, ah, eh, uh, this person has that. This person's better at this, worse than that. I'm not talking about normal, you know, it's just, it's normal to have this comparison type of thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the comparison gets to a place where you are now unable to experience any enjoyment with the person that you're in. It's kind of like living hell. And my invitation for you is instead of asking, you know, can you tell the difference between having a trauma bond and truly being compatible? I don't know your history, Emma. It doesn't sound like you're incompatible. It sounds like you're incomplete. And if you are listening to this and you resonate with shit, I'm in a relationship and I want a secure relationship. I, I want to have completion with the past. I want to heal my present. I want to complete my past so that I can create a secure relationship in the future. I'm super grateful for these tools because I now have a secure relationship where we get into arguments. We, we're not perfect. We're not fucking saints, but we're so committed to being present and really creating a beautiful experience. And it shows because our son is thriving in this post-pandemic world, in a world where I'm still trying to break free from my ex, my trauma bond, who just, um, you know, it's one of those situations where sometimes, you know, you, you want closure, you want completion, but the person is so mentally ill that their completion is not possible and they want they want the fight believe me, if you're going through that, I know that feeling. My commitment was, even though that was happening, I'm, I, there's, it was outside of my own control, my commitment is that my son is raised in a container where a healthy, secure attachments thrive, even though there is this external pressure. And so that's why Trigger Proof was born. That's why my Cycle Breakers trainings are so relevant to me is because I'm not just like on some mountaintop uh, I'm not a researcher that just, you know, uh, that's a scholar. I'm actually living it. I'm doing the work consistently. And I'm kind of humble enough to realize that 
our trauma healing work is never done. But when we take it on and we make it a priority, we can break cycles for generations from that, 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 that have been piling on for generations so that our next generation does not experience insecure attachments, does not experience this whole, you know, absolute chaos of codependent codependency that our parents were raised in. This is what a cycle breaker is. So if this is resonating and landing with you and you really are committed to the process of really learning how to get complete with the past, you know, these signs that are that you're incomplete and it's it's actually here's the key it's actually enough that you're willing to do something about it you're willing to take action you're willing to actually you're ripe and ready then send me a dm and i'll send you an application link and i'll see you to see if if you're ready to learn how to get completion because we want to interview the peeps that are actually ready and are willing to look at themselves and receive some sometimes challenging feedback it's not not to hurt any anyone but it's to actually hold a mirror up and say time to take a look in the mirror not to take blame but to take responsibility and because these are the people that plant the flag in this in the in the ground and say i'm going to be the one to break the cycle instead of being the victims that expect the entire world to change for them i see you cycle breakers and i'll see you at the next perfect time